It's time for Rocketing Rhythms. This is Jack Brown in the music department of the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service at Hollywood. Ready to start fooling around for another half hour with some of the top tunes in the nation. And ready to chat, I'm very happy to say, with a lovely guest star. One of the top singers in the nation, Miss K-Star. And her fooling around is number 63. Let's listen to it. I know that you've been fooling around on me right from the start. So I'll give back your ring and I'll take back my heart. And when you're tired of fooling around with two or three... Sixty-six last week, number sixty-three this week, and still moving right on up the charts. And sung for us today by the gal that got it onto the charts and made it famous, K Star. K, it's awfully nice to have you here in the studio with us. Thank you for joining us today on Rocketing Rhythms. I'm just delighted you invited me. Thank you, Jack. We want to talk about all kinds of things with you today, but mostly about K Star. Oh well, I know a lot about her. Do you? Mm. Well, I understand she started singing real young. Well, I'd like to think I started singing real young so that it wouldn't make me so old now. And you're not either. <laughs> you were a teenager, right? As a matter of fact, I was 12 years old. I think that's just before, Sub- just before being a teenager. Sub-teen. Mm-hmm. But it was in Texas, so that maybe that made me a, a teenager, because they grow old fast there. <laughs> well, everything is supposed to be bigger and better in Texas. Well, you're usually right? married by the time you're 15. If you're not, you're the talk of the neighborhood. Uh, you've been the talk of the country and the world with your singing. 
What did you start in with in Texas? Well, if you mean was it Western music, you can bet your life it was, because I sang with uh, about five or six different hillbilly groups, and I don't know, maybe some of the guys and gals might remember Bill Boyd and the Cowboy Ramblers, and uh, I used to work in Fort Worth with the Light Crust Doughboys, and then I used to sing on the Grand Ole Opry from time to time, and Kokomo Crocker. Then I had a program of my own. I was very, very, very heavy. And I weighed about 175 pounds when I was about 14 years old. And I had a radio program five days a week. And it was for a company called Humpco, which was a shortening. Would be like Crisco or any of the ones that we have now that we're aware of. And Humpco had a byline called the Dainty Cooking Fat. And that's what they used to call me in school. Humpco, here she comes now, the Dainty Cooking Fat. (laughs) Children are very unkind, aren't they? (laughs) Well, now, we didn't intend to get into any fiction here, so I suppose it what is. you're telling me is true. <laughs> it's true, yeah. But yes. you're, uh, you're so petite, it's hard to believe that you ever weighed 175 pounds. So maybe for the gals that listen, maybe there's a secret to that. How, how does that happen that you uh, could weigh? You must weigh at least 50 pounds less today. How does someone oh, do that? Oh, I dieted strenuously, and um, actually, uh, so much so, for my particular work, because um, the cameras, in front of a camera, uh, they that um, automatically puts 10 pounds on you, just through your eyes, through the eyes of the viewer, I should say. And uh, consequently, so many people that you would see on TV or in the movies that might look just right, when you'd see them in person, you'd think they'd been sick. So uh, I just don't do very much TV, and I don't do films at all at all. Well, I can see that that's... A mighty good way to apparently take off 10 pounds in a hurry. But uh, I'm glad for you, but I'm sorry for us that you don't. Uh, there, There's a lot more that we want to talk about now, so don't, don't move away. But we have to get back to our rhythms. Let them rock it a little bit here. Uh, we have two in a row, as is our style. And the first one is one that we predicted would get to the top. We stuck our neck out, as we do from time to time. And if we miss, we don't ever mention it again. But if we do, we hit, we like to brag about it a little bit. And Ernie K. Doe's mother-in-law has made number one. Let's listen to it.
this week for your love. And that was preceded, of course, by number one, Ernie K. Doe's mother-in-law. <laughs> and, uh, Kay, we were talking just a few minutes ago about uh, how you keep your weight down. I'm beginning to wonder now if uh, uh, the way you keep time to other people's music burns up a lot of calories. Do you use up a lot of energy that way? Oh, sure. I guess you do. It's all part of the um, being in time with things, I guess you might say. I innately, I don't read music, but innately, I love it so that um, 
when people say to me, what is your favorite kind of music or um, do you favor this kind of music as opposed to something else? While, as I said before, I don't read music, I don't feel qualified to make any rash statements about music, but I will say this, that there's hardly any kind of music that I don't enjoy. I won't honestly say that I understand it all, but I do enjoy it. But I still find myself being able to pat my foot and being a little happier to hillbilly and Dixieland music and real good jazz than I do real modern or progressive things. I enjoy listening to the progressive music, and it's a, it's a joy to me, but I can't pat my foot and smile as much because it's not as easy and flowing to me. And uh, with that, not all of us get the message. Well, I didn't get the message always, but then uh, I'm in the minority, evidently, because Stan Kenton was and is still a very great favorite, and uh, Jerry Mulligan and uh, Oscar Peterson, and, and there's just a great many that are left unnamed, but uh, they're very modern, and they're Al Boletto, and his, he's a, one of my very favorites of all of the small combination groups that I think is considered modern, but it's a, a modified modern music. I can understand it. It's kind of a modern John Kirby. Those things I can understand, but when they get a little frantic, I guess I'm just too much of a hillbilly to understand it. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know why it is. I have never spent much time in the hills myself, but I've, I've got the feeling, I guess. Uh, I want to get back to jazz in just a moment. But uh, this is sort of a different type of thing now. This is, in, uh, is a new one by Pat Boone, and it's the first thing that Pat's had on the charts in quite a while. It's just on. It's uh, starting this week at number 94, and it's uh, one of those that I call weepers. But you might kind of like this one. Here's Moody River. And the glove of his lost 
River with uh, quite a lot of beat to it. And you see what we were saying there, Kay, about the way you keep time to other people's music? I caught you doing it again, didn't I? I'm a foot patter, I told you. <laughs> and uh, we were going to talk about jazz. Uh, when did you make the, the transition from Western music to jazz, and, and how tough was it for you? Well, actually, it was so gradual, Jack, that... Uh, I didn't really realize what had happened to me until I was just suddenly standing there with nothing but popular songs in my hand. I was singing on a, a Saturday night uh, program, would be like the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, it was like the Saturday night jamboree kind of a thing. And I was singing hillbilly songs. But every once in a while, they, there would be requests, or a great amount of requests, for one particular popular song that was popular in that particular year. And... Um, I was the only one that they ever asked to to do these popular songs. Well, as I started doing them, we started getting more and more requests until finally they were giving all the Western songs to the other people, and I was suddenly singing what few uh, modern or popular ballads or popular uh, up or jump songs at that particular time. I was singing those songs, and then while I was do- I got a, an offer from the radio station to leave that show and do uh, a 15-minute show five days a week across the board. But it was only for popular music. It was through this program that Joe Venuti heard me, and he needed uh, uh, a singer to sing with his band at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, which is now where my family was. Uh, we were living in Memphis, Tennessee at that time, and I was going to high school. And Joe offered me a job for the summertime. And I got my first four years of jazz from Joe Venuti. And I can honestly say that if if I'm anything of an entertainer, any kind of a singer, uh, have any feel for this business and the respect that I have learned for the business has been taught to me by Joe Venuti, who is certainly one of the great men of all times, I think. Oh, and I think certainly one of my all-time favorites, too. I'm so glad to hear this. Uh, the story, which I didn't know. Uh, we've been talking quite a bit about K-Star professionally in, in a few minutes. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about K-Star personally. But we have two more in a row right now. We have our hometown selection. It's number 76 on the national charts. Joe Barry's I'm a Fool to Care, which is number one at Carl's Diggins in Providence, Rhode Island. And then we have uh, uh, a beautifully done, updated version of an old favorite by... Bert Camford. Here's his tenderly. I'm a fool to care When you treat me this way I know I love you But what can I do? I'm a fool to care I'm a fool to cry When you tell me goodbye You left me so blue When you were untrue I'm a fool who kill I know I should laugh And call it a day But I know I would cry If you went away, I'm a fool to care. 
when you don't care for me. So why should I pretend I'll in the end I'm a fool who kill. I know I should laugh and call it a day. If you win a win, I'm a fool to kill. When you don't care for me, so why should I pretend I lose in the end? I'm a fool to kill.
tenderly, Bert Camford, and oh, I'm going to like having that one around. I hope it has a long run on the charts. K-Star, I was going to get more nosy than I have been already here and ask more about you personally. Well, the the first question is this. What What is your favorite pastime? My 14-year-old daughter, and she's a full-time job, but uh, it's it's really a joy. I take her to Europe with me when I work there, and I've been to Europe many, many times, and uh, I'm not a great traveler. I don't... Uh, I'm very happy at home. and But to see Europe with her, through her eyes, is just a great joy. The things that she's... Her little trials and her tribulations, her little problems, which are big problems, you know, and get bigger as she gets older. To meet her friends, uh, really, it's... Um, it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. Of course, I only have one child, so... Uh, I guess maybe I place a great deal more on everything that she does than I would if I had five or six or seven or eight. And not having a husband, uh, I just uh, somehow or other, everything is centered on her. But it's it's a great deal of fun. She's a, a great joy to me. You, She's sort of uh, uh, sharing in your work a little bit when you make it on these trips. How about uh, recreation? Uh, this is a big sports town now because uh, we've got both the American League and the National League here. Is that of any interest to you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is, and you know it is. <laughs> It'll, I don't know if, if the boys and girls are listening, uh, if they are sports-minded, but poor Jack, before we could even start the interview, the Dodgers were playing, and I, I said, you, it's going into extra innings, Jack. We just... I, I, I couldn't talk to you. I wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> so we had to wait... And, you know, I'm sorry we did because they lost. <laughs> but oh, it was in the they tip. Lost. Well, it was, it was a wonderful game. But I would like to say one thing here. I think the most frustrating thing that happened to me was, uh, when the Dodgers won the, uh, won to go in, you know, to the, for the pennant. And, uh, they were going to play in Los Angeles and I was in Europe working. Well, we were, we were going to Denmark and we were trying to get the scores. Well, we finally ended up no matter where we were, if it was in Copenhagen, Paris, or and we would call the newspapers. Night after night, at, we'd, call, we'd wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, call the newspapers. What happened with the Dodgers? What do you know what happened with the Giants? What is everybody? What's going on? And uh, my business partner got off the train in West Germany, and he was so intent upon finding a paper for us to get the ball scores that the train... The doors closed on him, and they're electric doors, and he had to jump through a window. And if it hadn't been for a nice old lady who was, I don't know, looking for a man, maybe, I don't know, and she pulled him in through the window, or I don't know what would have happened to him. Absolutely <laughs> pulled him through a window. That's pretty weird. I would say that we like baseball pretty good. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> you are certainly baseball fans of the first water, and I'm with you. Uh, you notice the, uh, the music? Uh, I'm looking at our uh, Okinawa clock over here, and I notice it's almost 7.30, and that, uh, that figures that everybody at Okinawa right now is getting ready to listen to If Freedom Fail, and they'd like us to get out of the way with all this jazz, you see. And the reason I happen to look over is because that music you hear in the earphones, Lullaby of the Leaves, that's uh, by the Ventures, well, that's the way that our producer, Billy Zell, and our engineer, Glenn Nakamoto, have of telling us that it's about time to get going. So uh, I think we accept that as sort of a hint, wouldn't you? Well, that's a lovely hint. I like that kind of hint. Yeah. Music. <laughs> but K-Star, thanks an awful lot for being here with us and spending the afternoon, as it were, listening to baseball and doing rocketing with it. Well, it was a pleasure. I hope you'll invite me back sometime. Well, we certainly will. And 
I hope that it'll be real soon and we'll be having a lot more K-Star music on rocketing rhythms on the charts in the very near future. Jack Brown speaking. This is Rocketing Rhythms. It comes to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. (laughs) 